Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Riley's going to keep it and then throw, and Adarius Pullman's got a pair. Touchdown, Eskimos. This one from 51 to tie it. Ball is up, and it is through. Sean White has done it again. Comes off the boards, two on two Oilers. McDavid has a step to the net. Back hitter towards high, he scores. Connor McDavid scores both goals tonight and wins the game in and home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Hey, it's the new guy, Adam Larson in Edmonton. Played in the Oil Country Championship Celebrity Pro-Am today. You will hear from him tonight. Also, Matt Hendricks and Darnell Nurse ahead. Busy offseason for the Edmonton Oilers. New makeup to the club. We'll hear what these guys think about it. It's funny, I was talking to Adam Larson today uh, off mic just about coming into town. He got here on Friday. Didn't bring any shorts. Didn't think it was going to be quite this warm in Edmonton. Well, he got introduced to the happy side of our weather as opposed to seeing it when he usually does during hockey season. Now, all that ahead and, of course, uh, some Eskimos content as well as the team deals with and tries to recover from what can only be called one of the worst losses in the proud history of this franchise. Uh, It was the largest blown lead in the history of the green and gold. We'll break it down, and and I know some of you want to chime in tonight. We will have some open line time on the the Eskimos here in the first hour. 780-496-0063. You can text 630-630. There is a CFL game tonight. Montreal leads Toronto 8-0. They are late in the first quarter as Toronto looks for its first win at BMO Field. The Blue Jays at home to the San Diego Padres. That game is scoreless in the bottom of the fourth. Thanks for tuning in tonight. My name is Reed Wilkins. I'm with you until 8 o'clock this evening. The Eskimo Show with Dave Campbell will run from 8 to 9. And, of course, the Eskimos will be right back at it on Thursday. Winnipeg coming into town. 5.30 pregame show here on 6.30. Chad, the game will start at 7. I want to uh, quickly get to a comment here, though, from Matt Hendricks at the Oil Country Championship Pro-Am Challenge today talking about the Oilers looking like a tougher team going into 16-17. You know, you look at Peter and you look at it, what he's done in the past with his teams in Boston and such, and, and he was very vocal about what he wanted to to change in, in Edmonton when he got here. And, and he made changes immediately. I just think of a few, Eric Greiba, for example, getting him from Ottawa, a big heavy defenseman like that, and then picking up Zach Cassian uh, midseason. Um, obviously, Darnell Nurse coming in, a young player, but still adds that a very physical presence, and then Pat Maroon at the deadline, and now uh, and Luchik at uh, through free agency. It, and I think it's what you want. It, it's almost like every every line 
has that ability now to play that heavy game, that game that, that, that they believe is is um, going to lead to success, and I would have to agree with that because you look at teams that, that don't get pushed out of games, they, they tend to be there especially and have good runs in playoffs. All right, so that is Matt Hendricks, and I will have my full conversation with him coming up later on Inside Sports. Interesting, he brought up being able to have a bit of a physical, heavy, gritty presence on every line. Certainly, you can expect uh, him on line four, maybe Cassian on line three or four, Lucic on line one or two, Maroon probably on line two or three. Spread it around a little bit. Certainly a dimension that the Oilers have been lacking. A lot of that used to fall solely on Matt Hendricks. I mean, you had Luke Gazdick in there but not often uh, as a guy who could, uh, you know, fight and do a little bit of physical damage, but obviously uh, limited in terms of the actual hockey department. So we'll see. That's the blueprint that Shirelli is going by. Will it be able to be constructed that way? One of the big questions for the Oilers going into the new season. One of the big questions for the Eskimos going into this season is how do they deal with what happened on Saturday night against the Hamilton Tiger Cats, a team that has continuously cited its belief, its ability to be resilient, its ability to pull out close games, well, was in the process of finally blowing somebody out, then had it turned into a close game, then they had a chance at the end to somehow pull it out again, and they were simply beaten, out-executed, out-coached, beaten in every single way a football team can be beat over the final 25 minutes of the game against Hamilton. In the portion of the night the Eskimos dominated, they outscored the Tiger Cats 31-6. In the portion of the game dominated by Hamilton, they outscored the Eskimos 31-0. Of course, it started off beautiful, sunshine, wonderful evening at Commonwealth. Riley drops back to throw. This one to the end zone. Touchdown, Eskimos! Corey Watson with another touchdown. He waits, throws, going to the end zone. He's got a man. And it's a touchdown, Eskimos, to Darrell Walker. First and goal. White gets it. He's into the end zone. Touchdown, Eskimos. John White. Riley's going to throw to the end zone. Touchdown. This one goes to Adarius Pullman, and the Eskimos add to their total. You know, they started perfectly. I was so impressed with the second half. They're up 24-6 at halftime. They, they finally got that fast start. They punted once in the entire first half. Now, we know, obviously, no the whole no lead is safe thing. You know, we know Hamilton's well coached. They have some playmakers, all that kind of stuff. And they come out and they take the opening kickoff for the second half and they go get some more points. They say 18 points, not enough. Let's go up by 25. And I, I was thinking, great. They got the dagger out. They drove it in. They stepped on their throats, whatever you want to call it perfect start. The sun was shining. It looked beautiful. And then it started raining Tiger Cats and Dogs. Zoli play action throws. He's going to the end zone. Got a man open. Touchdown Hamilton. Tolliver with the reception. Matthews into the game now at quarterback. He'll take the ball and rush forward for a touchdown. And the Tiger Cats maybe got something going here. Masoli drops. Looks going deep. He's got a man open in the end zone. Touchdown Hamilton. Andy Fantuz Masoli throws quickly to the end zone. It's up in the air, and it's a touchdown. The Ticats have come all the way back, and they take a one-point lead. Masoli takes a snap. He'll roll to the right side, throw it up into the air, and oh, what a catch. 
What a catch by Chad Owens in the end zone. You almost want to give more than two points for that. An incredible comeback for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Down by 25 in the third quarter. They've come all the way back to win this one by a score of 37-31. Well, I tell you what, I, I just, uh, I, I've never been a part of anything like that. And just shows you, I just told the team, the quality of the men that we have in that locker room, the quality of the guys on our staff, uh, to keep battling, keep battling, never give up. You just, you're just never out of a game. Uh, you're never out of a game here in this league. And just need a few things to go your way and get some momentum and, and to keep playing. And our guys did that. The thing with that is momentum. I mean, bottom line. I mean, they, they captured momentum in that second half. Um, they had themselves in good situations for most of the second half. I mean, you look up and it was in a good situation from the second and medium, get another first down. Offensively, we didn't help our defense in the second half, bottom line. We had a lot of two and outs. We couldn't establish any rhythm and kept our defense out there too long. Jason Moss, head coach, also the offensive coordinator, looking at it, I think, more from an offensive point of view. If you heard his postgame, and you can get the full postgame comments by going to the Eskimos page on 630ched.com, uh, it seemed pretty clear to me there's a, there's a pretty big separation between um, the offense and defensive responsibilities. I think Moss kind of stays out of, uh, out of Benavides way during games and uh, Moss referenced, you know, we'll have to look at the tape on defense and then Benny was calling the plays and all that kind of stuff. The Eskimos secondary is not strong. Um, I, I think Marcel Young has often been a weak link back there. I think Pat Watkins didn't have a good second half to the season last year, but he had a really good Grey Cup. You had Otha Foster leave for Saskatchewan. You had Aaron Grimes go to the NFL, and clearly you had John Ojo injured in the preseason. A healthy John Ojo does not save them in that game. Um, but, but I think that certainly Watkins and, uh, and Young were targeted a lot, though every defensive back looked like he was being picked on in that second half. And, and this Hamilton comeback, if you think about it, didn't start in the third quarter. It started with the last drive of the first half when they went down there and got what you thought would be a meaningless field goal to get up to six points. Edmonton comes up, goes up 31-6, and then Hamilton is pretty much unstoppable after that on offense. I, I know there were a lot of cries for Mike Benavides' head after the game uh, as defensive coordinator. I think that's a little premature. I don't think they're going to start ripping apart the coaching staff on a 2-2 two and two team four games into the season. Um, I think he didn't want to get beat over the top. I, I would say that he was dropping guys too deep. I, and I mean, you knew what Hamilton was doing. You don't complete 23 consecutive passes like Jeremiah Masoli did by throwing 20, 30 yards down the field. You make high percentage underneath throws, and that's most of what he did on the 23 in a row. I think you can fault the Eskimos defense here, if you want to look at it from a coaching perspective, is at least, and at least I didn't see it, where was, where was the adapting in terms of what Hamilton was doing? I mean, Luke Tasker was running the same pattern on almost every play, coming in motion along the line of scrimmage, Moving into the middle, taking a short pass, getting the yak. Underneath, 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 uh, and that's pretty much all there was to it. So it's a combination of things. Uh, you got some guys, I don't think, who are at the peak of their careers anymore and puts the coach in a difficult situation, and, and then the adaptation didn't happen. 
and I don't think the offense is off the hook either. Like I, I know it's easy to say, well, 31 points should be enough to win. And I know as fans and media, we look at it like that, but it's, it's not quite that simple because every game takes on its own life. And 31 points wasn't enough to win. And you can't go a quarter without getting a first down. You can't ha- drop a screen pass. You can't allow your quarterback to get absolutely rattled a couple of times. You can't all of a sudden have a couple balls go through the hands of, of your best receiver. And, and I hate to pick on Darrell Walker because he had a huge game, but there was one catch he usually makes, and he didn't make it in front of the Hamilton bench in the fourth quarter. Uh, I, I know some people need to talk about this. It is 618. Matt's on the open line. He's up first when we get back. 780-496-0063. You can also text 630-630. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader. 630 Chad. Week 5 in the CFL is wrapping up as we speak. Ten and a half minutes left in the second quarter in Toronto. Montreal leading the Argos. 8-7. Winnipeg coming to town here on Thursday. Matt Nichols will start at quarterback in place of Drew Willie. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks for tuning in. 780-496-0063. We have Matt on the line. Hi, Matt. Hey, Reed. What's going on, man? Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear you fine. Yeah, I think what we witnessed with that football game on Saturday was just an absolute anomaly. Um, you know, for as long as I've been following the team, I don't think I've seen that happen in a while. I do recall one time, though, it was 06 or 07 where Saskatchewan was up 22 to 1 at the half, and the Eskimos did the complete opposite. They, they came back and beat them 23 22. But a couple of things struck me where I, you can't fire the defensive coordinator four games into the season. And I know some people that are Eskimo fans that that's the first thing they're going to look at. Oh, this is all Benavides' fault. What's going on? you got to let him go. Well, if you fire your defensive coordinator four games into the season, even even worse, like even demoting him or something like that is, is not the answer because what it does is essentially resets your team back to training camp. And then they got to learn a whole new system. they got to learn all new verbiage, all that stuff, and you're making it worse. I'm now a little concerned, though, that – we almost lost to Winnipeg, and then now we put up 37 against the Riders. I don't have the math in front of me, but like, what's our total accumulated points given in the last four games? I think it's got to be over. Well, it's got to be over 150, 200 now, something like that. Uh, let's let me do, quickly bring it up here. The Eskimos have 127 points scored and 134 against. Yeah, yeah, but at the same time, too, we have one of the most explosive offenses in the league. It's just coming down to, and this is going to sound really weird, do we want to outscore our opponents to win games or do we want to win defensive battles? Uh, The Eskimo fans have been used to two years of Chris Jones where basically it was shut down defense and there was a long stretch in uh, 2014 going into 2015 where the Eskimos never never allowed an offensive touchdown at home. So maybe this is why people are getting just a little bit antsy given our defense. But also keep in mind, too, like that John Ojo injury, Pat Watkins is the only veteran in the secondary. So, and you're four games in. Technically, the Eskimos should be 4-0 and if, if the referees don't screw us up against Ottawa. You know, we corral some of the points we had yesterday, or not yesterday, on uh, Saturday, and I can't remember exactly what happened a couple of games ago. But, I mean, just everybody relax. We'll see how this goes against Winnipeg, because Matt Nichols can throw the long ball. Mm-hmm. 
Do I think they purposely started Nichols ahead of a struggling Drew Willie, knowing that the Eskimos' secondary has some troubles? I think that keyed into a little bit of Michael Shea and Paul Lapolice's favor. But we'll see how many yards Nichols throws against us. But, I mean, for now, for people to call for Mike Benavides' head, relax. Well, the only thing I would say about him is, is and, and, and again, maybe he, you know, you know the, the, the players are saying we didn't execute. The defensive players are saying we're paid to make plays and we didn't make them. I, I just thought the Eskimo defense was playing, was giving too much cushion. I realize you got the lead. I realize you don't want to get beat over the top and let them all get it back in, in a couple plays. But it basically happened anyway because they were getting they were throwing six yard passes and getting six yards of run, run after the catch. So that's the only thing is why I, like J C Sherritt was dropping 12, 15 yards off the ball. Now was that the defense called or or was that Sherritt repeatedly making a bad decision? I I would guess that was the defense being called. So that that alarmed me a little bit from a Benavides standpoint. Um, but I do think the the secondary. Right now is is struggling from an from an athletic and coverage standpoint. When you give up Aaron Grimes, you lose John Ojo. Dexter McCoyle played a bit in the backfield as well. He kind of dropped back a bit, but Aaron Grimes and Ojo are very very missed in this Eskimo secondary. You only have basically Pat Watkins now, and you saw it. Well, Young was there last year. Yeah, but it's Marcel Young. I'm sorry, that's just my opinion. No, I know. I, I yeah. thought he was the, the weakest uh, member of the secondary last year, for sure. Yeah. And you saw it in the Ryder game where Pat Watkins goes down. and Oh, no, sorry, it was Ottawa where Pat Watkins go down. And, and the first thing that Trevor Harris does is attack, uh, I think it's Gary Peters. Right. Who was Pat Watkins' replacement. So, I mean, other teams know our weaknesses, and they're exploiting it very well. It's just going to come down to the Eskimo offense basically outscoring our defensive blunders. And unfortunately, it may not get better. Hopefully it does. But firing Benavides midway through the season is definitely not the answer. Do you airlift in some players? I mean, they've already made a couple of switches. I think they put Tyler, uh, Tyler I can't remember his last name, and Solomon Means into the active roster. Tyler Thornton's the other guy, yeah. Yeah, where they, where they moved him up from the PR. But... Let's see what happens on Thursday against Winnipeg. If we give up a whole whack of yardage with Matt Nichols, then then I would be a little bit more concerned as the direction to where to where this season is headed. But, Matt. I, but I mean, as it stands right now, just everybody chill. When you overhaul a, a completely new system four games in, and we're still exploding on offense, so everybody's still got to relax a bit. Matt, as always, I appreciate your comments. Thanks for listening to the show. No problem. Oh, and if anybody wants to go to Labor Day, hit me up on Twitter. There's a special there. Reed, you know about that. Oh, you're, you're sec- is it Section O or Section Underscore O? Section Underscore O. There's a Labor Day bus. So oh, perfect. Everybody party on. Okay, thanks, buddy. Thanks, Reed. Bye. That is Matt checking in. We got uh, more time to talk about this. 780-496-0063. You can text 63630. Matt Hendricks ahead as well. And uh, Mike Riley is going to explain who exactly he was uh, mad at during an outburst on the bench on Saturday night as Inside Sports rolls along. You're listening to 630 Ched Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins.
So 9-7, Montreal leading Toronto. Four minutes left in the first half. Oh, wait a minute. We got a uh, touchdown here for the Argos. Extra point to come. So uh, 13-9 at the moment. Four minutes left. Toronto leading the Alouettes. Your scoreboard, courtesy of Crystal Glass. For all your glass needs, you can call 310-GLASS today. The Blue Jays lead the Padres 3-0. That game in the bottom of the fifth. I can also tell you the Red Sox with a 1-0 edge on the Tigers. That is after four. The Orioles home to the Rockies. That game is 1-1 in the sixth. Coming into tonight, Baltimore leads the AL East. One and a half up on Boston, three up on the Blue Jays. The Blue Jays do hold down the second wild card position, but now they're just a half game up on the Astros, and the Astros are home tonight to the Yankees and leading it one nothing in the bottom of the second inning. So an interesting uh, race there for the Jays. All right, seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. You can text us at six thirty six thirty. The uh, Eskimos did the Monday morning magic today at uh, at K Days. And, of course, speaking of festivals, one of my favorites, Taste of Edmonton, underway. I've already uh, dove into that a few times uh, over the weekend. Kellen Kennedy is on the other side of the window. Kellen, you were able to attend the Eskimos game? Yes. On the uh, on the weekend? On Saturday, yep. Yeah, so, um, well, it was interesting. I went to Taste of Edmonton after the game. Yeah. saw several people wearing their uh, Eskimos uh Hats, mm. T-shirts, whatever at Churchill yeah. Square, and and uh, and I guess I would include myself. You know, the, everybody just with kind of that empty look in your eye. Yeah, I was too mad like, to do anything. I was like, supposed what, to do with friends, but I was, you know, I phoned them up and said, "Listen, I'm too angry. I can't. I can't. I just can't." Yeah, just kind of just suck the life out. Yeah, just that. Did that just happen? And, and you know what, Kellen? It. You, it I mean, obviously, you you could sense it coming. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times, you know, I don't, I don't get worried until it's down to one score. When it got to 31-20, I mm-hmm. was really worried. Yes. Because you just sensed Hamilton was rolling. And look, I, I believe Kent Austin is the best coach in the league. And mm-hmm. he's certainly the best offensive coach in the league. And he figured something out, and the Eskimos couldn't adapt to it. Mm-hmm. And it was just rolling and rolling and rolling. And then the Eskimos offensively, I mean, here's the thing. You're up 31-6. Yeah. Just get a few, get get three first downs every time you're on the field. Mm-hmm. Hamilton might have run out of time. That's the kick, frustrating kick a couple bit. of field goals. That's the now, frustrating bit was the free and outs. Now, right, the two and outs. Hamilton cranked it up. Clearly there were some, some, some blocking issues. I don't know if it was all in the O-line. I think McCarty might have missed a block at some point. Mm. And uh, Mike Riley visibly... Getting upset. A lot of people said, well, he was yelling at the old line. Uh, Mike Riley commented on that today, speaking with our Dave Campbell. The thing was, it wasn't a conversation with my offensive line. Um, it was a conversation with my entire offense. When I came off the field, uh, basically I went to the wide receivers and said, we got to go over to where the old line's at so we can all meet. And obviously I was fired up. Um, reality is, I wasn't fired up about the hits. I think anybody that knows me knows I've taken enough hits in my day and I don't really mind the contact. Uh, Football is a contact game and you're going to take hits and that's part of it. I was upset about the fact that we had gone two and out a number of times in a row and the game had started to slip away from us in a game that we had direct control of prior to the two or three drives that we were getting no offensive production. So, you know, there's certain times in the game um, where I use different techniques to fire myself up and to fire my teammates up. 
All right, so that's Mike Riley, and you get that full interview with Dave Campbell coming up on the Eskimo Show between uh, between eight to nine tonight. Text here to six thirty six thirty from Green Plank. He says, "Tell that Section O dude on behalf of all of us, stop telling us to relax. We're trying to do exactly that, and then he tells us to do what we're already doing to begin with. It's unsettling. Can't relax." <laughs> that is from Green Plank. Here, here's the thing. About the, the the fan reaction to the Eskimos losing that game, I actually think, relatively speaking, people are being quite calm about it. Because I think winning the championship last year earns you some credit with the fans, right? This is if this is a team that was nine and nine last year and was was shaky in tight games and they lose that that way yesterday, you know it's th- then it's it's probably even more outrage. And uh, don't get me wrong, people were upset. I mean, Dave Campbell had to deal with people on the points after show right after the game ended Saturday night. But when your team wins the championship, they they, they get a little built up goodwill with the fans, and and it lo- I mean look it, it shaped up. For a, for a while there, like, oh my goodness, they're still going to win. Hamilton puts together another drive when they're up 34-31. They get a touchdown, it's over. They have to settle for a field goal. The Eskimos get the ball back with about four minutes left. And I was thinking, like, holy crap, they might be able to pull this out 38-37. They get down to the 25, right, with the way the clock was looking. They might be able to score with 30 seconds or less left and, and not leave Hamilton any time to do anything. It, it looked like it's going to go their way again. Uh, you know, at least they, they had a pretty good chance to do it. They finally started moving the ball, and then they get the penalty, they get the sack, and it was second and 25 or 26 or whatever it is, and then uh, Riley gets sacked and, and is, is fumbled, and, and it was lights out. So the thing is, we, we know with this Eskimos team, losing is not a trend. Despite being 2-2 two and two this year, they're 18-6 and six in their last 24 games that have counted, including the playoffs. The thing that worries me now, are there cracks in this team's defense and are, are there going to be cracks in the confidence and the resilience? We have John on the line, 780-496-0063. John, Hi. go ahead. Hi, thanks for taking my call. No problem. I was at the game, uh, disappointed, of course, but um, everybody has to remember that we are missing five guys from that defense of last year. Almost half the defense is gone. And so I know Ed Irvy's scouring around. He likes tall defensive halfbacks like Dexter McCoyle. Um, so it's a work in progress this season. I didn't think it was the scheme as much as just individually we got beat on some long coverage, and, and it was everybody in the secondary that, that did that. Uh, it looked to me like Pat Watkins has maybe lost a step, Marcel Young. I, yeah, you got to give uh, the Ticats receivers credit. Man, they made some great catches. And, you know, uh, we were very close to either knocking it down or intercepting it. So that's going to get better. But for sure, we need an upgrade at those positions. The other thing that kind of bothered me was when it's when we go into our three-minute drill, honestly, the offense they look disorganized. Uh, you know, there's a minute and a half left in the game, and we're going out, and we need a touchdown. And 
Variety's pointing at where guys should be going. Like, I think maybe they should have a standard, you know, offense where they, they just have a, a quick huddle, call two plays, and get it rolling. I just don't think the way they're doing it that there's a big advantage right now. I just wondered if you noticed that at all, Reed. Uh, a, a little bit. I mean, I mean, they they try to run the no huddle quite a bit. I I will say this, John, and we we haven't said this about this Eskimos club a lot over the last couple of years. I think they got a little bit rattled. I I don't think they got completely off the rails, but but I think they had a, a rare game where it, the momentum wasn't just slightly going against them. It was a tidal wave going against them. And, and I mean, like I said, I brought it up Saturday when I called into Dave after the game. When it was 31-20, they called a screen pass on second and 10. And if John White catches it, he probably gets 12 to 15 yards. He yep. flat out dropped the ball. Yeah. You know, and, like and little our, things like that started to add up, and it, they just got swamped. And it wasn't just John White in the second half. None of our receivers could catch sure. the ball. Sure, absolutely. That was an obvious example, but you're right. Yeah, yeah. so, the, you know, anyway... Um, we knew that the, def- the defense was going to need work. Uh, the offense, it's, it's good already, and it's going to get better. And so uh, I think we'll be fine. But you know what? Uh, in the long term, this just might be a blessing in disguise because that, that pointed up areas of weakness. And you can be sure that Jason Moss and Ed Hervey won't quit until they get things fixed. John, thanks for calling 780-496-0063. I mean, he makes a good point. Which way does it go out of this? Given where this team has been over the last couple of years, uh, again, the, 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 the history suggests it's not going to be a crippling loss. Last year, by the way, Hamilton at Commonwealth Stadium beat the Eskimos 49-20. 49-20. And that was a game that had you thinking, oh my goodness, maybe the Eskimos don't match up. Well, they won the Grey Cup. Granted, Hamilton lost their best player. And I do continue to insist, despite the anger I got on Twitter for saying this, that Zach Kalaros is the best player in the Canadian Football League. He's certainly near, very near the top, if, if he's not. Um, so, I mean, the, their last two visits to Commonwealth Stadium, Hamilton has scored 86 points. So did a 49-20 loss last year destroy the Eskimos? No, so you, you would hope a 37-31 loss doesn't either. Doug is on the line. Doug, thanks for calling. Hey, how are you doing, Reed? Good. Good. Um, no, I wouldn't fire uh, the head coach or the COE, but uh, all our good coaches went to Saskatchewan. Well, there's not a single coach back from last year, so I guess it depends what 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 you think of the guys who have uh, who have all come in. I, I mean, it was Mike Benavides, the defensive coordinator, who's been under fire. I would suggest it's far too early to tear apart the coaching staff. Oh, I'm not going to tear apart the coaching staff yet. Right. But I mean, Saskatchewan has our best coaches. Well, yeah, they got all of them, man. Thank, thanks for calling, Doug. I appreciate it. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. John says, "Hey, Reed, I watched the final Oilers game at Rexall Place on PVR after the Eskimos game to try to get over the loss. Let me tell you, Bob Cole can solve any problems." Well, that was <laughs> that was a nice night for the. What was it? Wind up seven two against the Vancouver Canucks that night. Uh, this texture says, 
Uh, Matt from Section O says the Eskimos have an explosive offense, but they imploded last game. Two and outs in the second half lost the game, not the defense. Well, I think it was a team loss. Certainly the defense didn't. I mean, they didn't pick each other up. They didn't pick each other up. I mean, that defense must have been exhausted because they're resting for three plays and going back out uh, against an offense that was picking them apart. we got to take a quick timeout. Jamie is up next on the open line on Inside Sports. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. Still ahead on Inside Sports, you will hear from Adam Larson. Matt Hendricks, Darnell Nurse of your Edmonton Oilers, all golfing today in the Celebrity Pro-Am at the Oil Country Championship at the Glendale. The uh, formal part of the tournament will start on Thursday. Paul has texted in to 630-630. He says, uh, hi, Reed. I take this Eskimos loss as a good thing for the team. They now know that they can't always pull it out in the fourth quarter, and I hope it leads to more consistent play in all quarters going forward. That is from Paul. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, fair enough. This is a team that is perfectly comfortable playing close games uh, in the fourth quarter. It would have been more comfortable not to be in that situation on Saturday and maybe not to be in that uh, as often as they have been because you certainly get the sense they have the talent to, uh, to build up and maintain leads a little more often than they have over this run. I mean, they they won their final 10 games of last season, and now they've started and come out. I mean, what what's the margin of victory? They lost in overtime by 8 to Ottawa. They won in overtime by 3 against Saskatchewan. They won by 4 against Winnipeg, and then they lost by 6. So, I mean, single digits again every game. Jamie's on the line. Jamie, thanks for waiting through the break. Go ahead. Hey, Reed. I just wanted to say uh, I, how amazed I am and how entertaining the last four games have been just so dramatic and fun to watch but mm-hmm. why i called was uh you know i hate to um, knock mike riley because he's been absolutely phenomenal and he's a great back and he gave it a championship but i just don't agree with what he did after the after the, the big sack there and i know he said that he didn't go straight over to the o-line but actually he did he went straight over there. He slammed his helmet down, and he ripped the O line. And I, all I'm saying is that it, it's like the the goalie in hockey that rips the defenseman for letting a guy through. All you're doing is you're you're just gonna make like in Riley's case, he's just gonna make the O line afraid to make a mistake. Right? They're gonna make mistakes, but all that does is it just it creates you know cracks internally in the team, and I don't think you should have done that. That's all i got to say, my friend. All right. Thanks for calling, Jamie. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess for me, I mean, fair enough, Jamie. I'll take uh, Riley at his word. I, I didn't see it live, but, I, but yeah, I did see the uh, – I certainly saw – Saw the replay, and, and you're right. It, on on the video, it looks like it was just the O line. Riley says it wasn't. Um, I thought the O line got pushed around, but again, I, I thought Riley wasn't as accurate in the second half. Uh, I thought the receivers weren't as, as tough getting to the ball, and it. I mean, look, you get outscored thirty-one nothing over about a twenty-four minute span. Uh, it's on everybody, and it's on every player, quarterback included. I, I guess Jamie raises an interesting point: is 
is an emotional outburst by a player going to cause the the target of that outburst to to seize up? I don't mind seeing that from Riley or somebody if that's not the only way they handle adversity. Everybody would be different. I, I I don't I don't have a problem with some sometimes there being an outburst. If that's all if that's all a quarterback does whenever something doesn't go his way or he's peeved at a block being missed or a, a, then it gets a little old. I mean then the guys are probably going to start tuning you out and maybe not respecting you as much. I I think Riley has the respect of this team that I I, I would think he can get away with that and will be listened to. If he picks his spots when he's doing it, but fair point by Jamie. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna tell him not to like it if he didn't like it. Uh, this texture to six thirty six thirty says, "Hey, Reed, the Eskimos need to play more man defense and less zone. Seems like they're allowing the other team to catch the ball and then trying to make the tackle or hoping for a drop." I think that's a fair comment. I mean, and they drop too deep. They 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 drop too deep. And and Hamilton. I mean, here's the thing. Once you realize Hamilton's just doing that over and over again. Then move, share it up. Move the linebackers up. Jeremy from Glendon says, "Hey, re- uh, oh Sam, that's the same uh, same text. Sorry, Jeremy just signed his re- resent it with his name. Thanks for doing that, Jeremy. But yeah, it was. I mean, again, twenty three straight completions, and it wasn't like Masoli was gunning it down the field twenty thirty yards." Finding that layer underneath the linebackers, and 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 another thing. Throwing to guys who were sprinting when they got the ball. And then you get the yak, you get the angle on the defender, and it was first down after first down, or it was second and three, second and four, and you're converting almost all those. And credit to Ken Austin for st- for just figuring out what worked, finding the cracks in the Eskimos' defense. And then I, I don't blame him. Why run the ball? I, I, think, I think they ran the ball twice during the whole length of the comeback except for the quarterback sneak and one of them got called back on a hold and then they still converted the first and 20. So we'll just see how the Eskimos react. They will play the Winnipeg Blue Bombers on Thursday. It will be on 6.30, Chad, 5.30 for the pregame show. The kickoff will be at 7 and Matt Nichols will get the start for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Toronto up 21-9 on Montreal. Halftime CFL action tonight. And the Blue Jays just want to make sure I have the latest up 3-0 on San Diego after 6. Inside Sports presented by Action Furnace, home of the fixed right or its free guarantee. Visit actionfurnace.ca. The latest from the green and gold. Dave Campbell did a ton of interviews at practice today. The Eskimo Show from 8 to 9. We're going to shift the uh, focus to your other beloved team, the Edmonton Oilers. They're not trying to defend a championship. They're trying to get into a position where they could win one. Adam Larson, a lot of responsibility will be on that young defenseman's shoulders this season. You'll hear from him. Also, Matt Hendricks and Darnell Nurse. And, of course, the lines remain open. The text line is always open, 630-630. You can hit me up on Twitter as well, at Reed Wilkins. We are back after the news. Thanks for tuning in tonight. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.